0: Hey, it's Dr. G. And whether you've been a longtime listener or you're new to the podcast, welcome. Have you ever felt like you wanted to start over or reinvent your life? If so, I want to invite you to tell me all about it. I really need your advice. And to reward you for your time, I'm going to be choosing nine listeners to join me on a free one-on-one relaunch game plan call. This call is designed to help you get clear on your specific goals so you can relaunch your life. To join in and be eligible for the free call, go to discover.drgordon.me, that's discoverd rgordo do and answer all the questions. I look forward to reading your responses and talking to you soon. Thanks for your help, and thanks for launching your life with me. Hi and welcome to the Launch Your Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. Today on the podcast, we're leaving the age of five, yay, and moving forward uh, a bit, but still in my childhood. As always, I welcome your feedback. Feel free to email me, Dr. G-, Dr. G at drgordon.me. And if you're ready to love every second of your life, let's set up a relaunch game plan. Simply head to relaunch.drgordon.me and book a relaunch game plan call. For the latest episodes, go to launchyourlifepodcast.com. And if you like the podcast, please take a moment to give it a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and share widely with your friends. Now, last time I left you with the reasons for my deep independence, a funny story about Easter, and a subconscious program that ran for years. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please be sure to go back and have a listen so you will be fully caught up. This is a serial after all. I love to travel. In fact, I feel most alive when I'm exploring new cultures, lands, food, and beauty. I've traveled to all seven continents and even toured Myanmar before the most recent military coup. My love for travel started in my childhood. One thing my parents cherished was time away as a family. We went tent camping or rented rustic cabins to experience the outdoors and often vacationed in Canada because it's just really close to Washington State. One time around, I was maybe six or seven, we stayed in a cabin on the shores of a lake up in Canada. The area was populated with loons. Now loons look kind of like a cross between a duck and a goose, but they're really their own classification of waterbird. They have a long mournful cry and every morning and evening the loons called out over the foggy lake as the sun crossed the horizon. Dad took us fishing in a small rowboat, and we caught plenty of fish. Even then, I wasn't afraid of blood and guts, and I helped scale and clean the fish in the slop sink near the boat dock. I felt happy and alive learning from my father. These trips helped me to develop a deep appreciation for travel. Wanderlust will always loom large in my life. And as I grew up in the house of many horrors, abuse continued. My mother's alcoholism confounded our already complicated relationship. And my mom was a different kind of lady. She walked around the house naked in front of the family in the mornings and around bedtime, even when she was sober. But when she was drinking, all of her inhibitions went out the window. And once after school, my younger brother and I were watching TV in the basement with a neighbor boy. And we came up the stairs to find mom buck-ass naked in the front of the stove singing rock the boat as she swung her hips side to side. Now we profusely apologized to our neighbor red with embarrassment and quickly shoot him out the door to walk across the street and probably never come back again. I don't remember he ever came back and I don't remember my mom doing anything like that again ever either. I believe she really did the best she could she just didn't have parenting skills When I was around seven years old, I was diagnosed with a congenital heart defect. There was a hole between the two upper chambers of my heart. These are called the atria. Now this defect caused what's called a shunt between the unoxygenated and oxygenated blood. In fact, around that age, I developed a condition known as pulmonary hypertension. Think of it as high blood pressure of the lungs. And it was caused by the hole in my heart. So whenever my heart pumped, The blood with the oxygen and the blood without the oxygen mixed, causing increased pressure to the artery to my lungs. Now, How did this show up in my life? Well, I slept sitting up. I had a frilly pink bedspread to complement the red carpet in my room in the House of Many Horrors, and before bed I propped my pillowcase up as high as I could so I could sleep without lying down. I'm not really sure why nobody noticed, but maybe it was due to the abuse. Maybe I tried to sleep sitting up because I thought it would keep the abusers out. I'm not really sure. I have a faulty memory of the time of severe abuse. But anyway, once I was diagnosed, my mom took me to her brother in San Diego to get a real diagnosis. I don't fault her. Richland was a podunk town in the farming country of Washington State. Given the same circumstances, I would have done the same. And my mom and I took a plane uh, down to California, and we stayed with her sister and my cousins. This trip, despite the torture in the hospital, is one of my fondest childhood memories. My aunt's house in San Diego was calm compared to the house of many horrors. Despite my five cousins and me running all around, it didn't have the chaos of the Gordon house. I felt safe and loved. The housekeeper, more than anyone, made me feel safe, special, and loved. She taught me how to count in Spanish, something I never forgot, and she took the time to listen. She was the first person who ever modeled caring, warmth, and inclusiveness. One afternoon after going shopping and playing in the yard, my mom convinced me to get my ears pierced. I sat on a stool in my aunt's kitchen. It was 1971 or 1972, and the kitchen was uh, adorned in dark brown cabinets, green tile, and orange accents. It was very 1970s. I still remember the sting of the piercer, wiping around the earrings with alcohol, and having to turn them several times a day so that they wouldn't close up. The next day, we went to the university hospital to look at my heart. It all started with an EKG. Easy, simple, electrodes on my chest. I thought, okay, no problem, I can do this. Next, a nurse explained she had to put a needle in my neck and take pictures of my heart. This must have been before modern IV cannulas, because... It, it was really weird, just a needle. I held still while she inserted the needle into my left jugular vein and then proceeded to tape this monstrosity to my neck after she walked me into a cold sterile room behind a barrier of yellowish glass with aluminum borders. As we were walking, I, I was crying and she told me to stay still while she took pictures of my heart and if I did, she would give me a quarter. I cried, needle bouncing behind the barrier as she open Polaroid after Polaroid of my heart. I tried so hard to stay still. I I just wanted that quarter. So I earned the quarter and some candy. And the nurse also gave me a copy of my heart tracing, telling me that most hearts, bum, 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 but yours goes, bum, bum, shh, bum, bum, shh. And I periodically pulled the tracing out to look at it over the next several years until it finally disappeared after one move or another. Now my parents decided against open heart surgery to repair the hole while I was still a child. I guess they missed my bout of pulmonary hypertension because by the time they were at a decision point, I was completely asymptomatic. But the biggest reason was the mortality rate of 10% in pediatrics. They simply weren't willing to take that risk. But back to my cousins, they had a color TV and we only had black and white TVs in our house. The concept of color on a TV was shocking and strange. And one night while we were there, we watched Sonny and Cher, the quintessential 70s show. Cher wore a beautiful green gown scooped down to her navel. And I actually thought a color TV gave the user the ability to change the colors on the screen. So I asked my cousins if they were able to change the color of Cher's dress or if it was the actual color and my inquiry was met with a resounding no and some strange looks. Nevertheless, it felt like magic to me. One of my cousins was in 4-H and had a herd of sheep in the backyard in a corral. Now, I had seen livestock at my grandfather's farm but never been up close and personal with sheep. The sheep were friendly and I loved feeding them as I sat on the corral fence, but I guess I fed them too much because she became quite upset and started making them run. So I felt like a dummy, like I didn't know what I was doing. I was embarrassed and felt like maybe I had overstayed my welcome. The pain of embarrassment led me to embrace a form of perfectionism and tell myself to never make a mistake again. Of course, I was quite disappointed because this is not possible. My young brain didn't know what to make of what felt like a massive failure. To cope, I created an expectation of perfectionism. It simply fueled my competitive and controlling nature but it was still better than the house of many horrors. Leaving our chaotic household even to upset my cousin was much better than being at home. And the trips helped me really appreciate travel deeply. Time in California, the trips we took as a family, they took us to unfamiliar and exotic locations. In fact, I welcomed leaving the house for any length of time because leaving broke up the abuse. It limited the opportunity for one-on-one time with me. And when I use my adult rational brain to reflect on the abuse I endured, it feels odd. I'll never pretend to understand the psyche of a pedophile, but when I consider the amount of planning, secrecy, and lies, it feels so heavy and filled with shame. I wonder if they ever feel remorse or if it weighs on them. I don't really want to know because I imagine there's plenty of studies on the psychology of deviant behavior, and I've I've never sought one out. But it must have been exhausting for them. When I was about seven or eight, I had a recurring nightmare. It was a night terror, really, and it went something like this. I'm in my bed at night. A male robber dressed in all black comes into the house and kills my entire family. Somehow, I get out of the house and narrowly escape death by hiding behind the tree in the next yard. Every single time, I woke up in fear, heart racing, wondering if everyone was still alive. Now, a bit of background. The rectory where the priests lived was two houses away. The Catholic school and convent where the nuns lived were basically across the street from the rectory. I went to the Catholic school for first and second grades around the time of the nightmares. We had after school activities with the priests and our nuns regularly, lots of alone time. Again, Considering this with my adult rational mind, someone must have threatened to kill my entire family if I told. Here's what the conversation likely sounded like. You love your parents, don't you? Yes. You love your brothers, don't you? Yes. Do you want them to die? No. I'll kill them all if you tell anyone. No, no, I won't tell. It's heartbreaking. Children believe everything adults say. In fact, children are literally in a hypnotic state until the age of about seven or eight. Their brain frequency is slower than our adult waking brains and it's in what's called an alpha state. This state allows for rapid learning and deep imagination. However, many beliefs you create as a child can continue to sabotage your adult change efforts even when you have strong motivation. The growth is uncovering the beliefs and stories you created as a child to make sense of perceived or real trauma. It can be tedious, painful, and meticulous work. But bringing your rational adult mind to the stories you create in your childhood is freeing. It's a form of launching, and one I use whenever I'm resistant to change, procrastinating, or feeling stuck. Next time on the Launch Your Life podcast, I'll continue with my childhood and the house of many horrors. If you like this episode, please subscribe so you won't miss any. And share with your friends on social. And please leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. And if you really like it, feel free to donate to my Venmo at drgordon. That's D-R-G-O-R-D-O-N. See you next time.